Today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we'll talk about keeping the gospel simple. Uh, We have someone who is uh, recently coming to Christianity or learning more about it um, or, or something along those lines, and their whole question is, well, how do I know, how do I know what I need to know? Because so many people have so many different ideas and all this other stuff. It's like, well, you get too deep into doctrines, Armageddon, end times. I'm like, no, 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 forget all that. Uh, the gospel is simple. Stay there. Do you hear this? No one calls me all day. I sit down to be like, today is, and it's like, beep, 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 doo, 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 doo. goodness. Um, what's a mute button? Anyway. So the point is, keep the gospel simple. That's very hard to mess up. People still manage, but it's very hard. So be familiar with the gospel. Be familiar with what Jesus says you must believe to enter eternal life and stay right there. And then you can take baby steps. You've already won the prize of, of eternity. You can be a little slow to branch out into like deep doctrines and things like that. So be foundational. Build everything on a firm foundation, just like the Bible says, just like Jesus says. And then start taking steps away into doctrines and fleshing things out, the meat of the word, and getting deeper and deeper. And whenever you hear something that doesn't sound right, it doesn't strike your spirit right, run back to home base, run back to the cross, and then start over um, to guard against getting into like wonky doctrines and, you know, how tall are Nephilim, were they they aliens, were they demons? Don't know, don't care. Doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I have my thoughts, trying to be as biblically accurate as I can, but I... That's not going to save you. So remember that. Like anytime you start to think, oh my gosh, there's too much stuff. There's too many opinions. Is what you're talking about important? Does it matter? Isn't a secondary issue? Is it a tertiary issue? Um, probably not. So forget the giants. Put a placeholder there. Come back to it someday later. Go back to the cross and retrace your steps until you're like, okay, now this is not a salvation issue. Take one more step. Now we're in secondary doctrine. Take a few more steps. Now we're in tertiary doctrine. So anyways... Um, then we get to <laughs> our, our, uh, guest speaker, Chris, um, who you've heard gets a little, gets a little out there and a little, uh, sometimes, um, anyways, <laughs> we, we talk about the latest thing where people were calling him the, the face of white supremacy and a racist for making a comment using a term that's actually none of the terms you're probably thinking of. You'll get to it, but, um, it's a well-known term in psychology and because of a certain group of people took it a certain way, um, now he is literally all the Hitlers put together. I, I know, I know, I know what I did. Um, anyway, um, so we talk about that. And while he, uh, he, he is definitely not a white supremacist, um, and we think he is also probably not a man witch either. Um, anyway, so we talk about Christian discipline. How should Christian brothers and sisters correct people if they perceive them doing something wrong? At what point should you receive correction versus, you know, that's not coming from an authoritative source. Um, you know, it's just they don't like something you did. Um, doesn't mean you wronged them. Doesn't mean you sinned against them. It means they just don't like something you did. So the problem could be with them. So how do you divine rightly those lines um, in Christian correction? Then uh, we talk a little bit about fulfilling marital vows. Um, that self-explanatory. You can hear that discussion. And then we talk for a while, and my brain just drains out of my ears about the persecution of Jewish people when they try to say um, that Christianity is inherently anti-Semitic. And then you're like, what? Christianity hates Jews? How are they anti-Semitic against Jews? Jesus was a Jew. The very first followers of Jesus, the very first Christians were Jews. So that's a weird way to, like, self-hate, I guess. I don't know. Um, But what they typically really mean in this discussion, um, the one who brings it, uh, is 
they're essentially saying it's anti-Semitic to disagree. And they say, if you're saying that our religion is wrong and that we missed the Messiah and Jesus is the Messiah and we missed him and you're telling us that we're wrong about that, you're correcting our own religion, therefore that's anti-Semitic. And my response, as nice and Christ-like as I try to be, um, that's rubbish. That's a rubbish argument, bro. Hate is hate. Anti-Semitism is anti-Semitism. Disagreements are disagreements. So as as long as the day, what, what's the saying? As something as the day is long. Anyways, a really, really, really long, long ways. Um, no, Christianity is not anti-Semitic. If Christians have used scriptures in Christianity, um, whether they were real Christians, bad Christians, uh, you know, good Christians, severely deceived. In, into getting into like anti-Semitism or whatever for how, how however you mix and match that, if they justify anti-Semitism with Christianity, that's not Christianity, that's crappy people. So that's my thought on that. And we talk about it until I just can't handle it. Like the person, the Jewish person talking, they go back through history. They're like the church fathers did this. This happened a thousand years ago, bro. I don't care. I mean, I care in the sense of historical historical accuracy, sure. But those same church fathers would have killed me for being Protestant. So, you know, you're not special, bro. I would have died and been murdered right next to you, too, because um, they would have problems with me. So, anyway, hate is hate. Uh, disagreements are not hate. So, anyway, um, I, I'm like, look, man, you're telling me about my own religion, how it's anti-Semitic and blah, blah, blah. Bring me these people. Every time you bring this issue up... Um, no one on stage feels this way. <laughs> so it's like, go find a group of these mythical unicorn Christians out there who feel this way, and sure, let's have a chat. And I'll be like, no, bro, that's bad. Don't be that way. You should change your mind. You should change your views. That's not, uh, you know, that's not Christ-like. Um, but I've, I've, I don't think I've ever personally met any of these people uh, who hold views like that. Anyway, that's your story for today. So you got the beeping again? Maybe I should say something else, like a really important point, and then, like, phone calls will just start flooding in. Anyway, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt. Support this podcast. Having civil discussions with people who are sometimes less than civil. Take care. Okay, so like right now, in like in another, in Coleman's room, like I won't say who it is, but he's like, so the tree in Revelation is the same tree as in the Garden of Eden. And that tree is this, and I'm like, I, I don't want to get all confused again because it kind of sounds like someone's interpretation. So let me just go to Nate's room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. Oh, I got to keep it simple and gentle on my heart. And that's all I have for now. Yeah, and I mean, I like trying to, trying to think about like, you know, new... Um, Again, I, I I don't know all of your history, but like you know, new um, like people who are just getting this stuff for the first time, or just trying to make sense of it, or even people that have got way too much of it, and they're trying to parse through like priorities and all this stuff. It's like I, I'm trying to communicate the best way to segment or to to think about stuff. It's like the thing you must know is very easy and it's very quick, right? All the stuff Jesus says about eternal life, the death, burial, resurrection, be born again, repent, believe the gospel, that he is God in the flesh. He died for our sins. He can forgive us. He gives us eternal life if we just ask him and then we follow him. We live like him. We look at how he lived and we do the same thing. We emulate Jesus. Once you've got that, it's like breath of fresh air. That's all you ever need. 
So if you start getting too sticky and out in the woods and like, you know, which tree, which fruit was it an apple? Did they have apples? Was it another kind of fruit? None of that matters. Like go back to the nice, easy breezy gospel. And you can always just like live there. That's like home base. And then as you're comfortable, you start branching out. You know, you can get other doctrines. Like Paul says, test everything and hold on to what's good. So the same person could uh, could be saying something wonderful about Jesus and the resurrection account. And then in the next breath, they could say something highly Gnostic. And you're like, like, oh, you know, just go ahead and sin because, you know, Jesus is already forgiving you. So, you know, go out and like, you know, have orgies. It's like, whoa, Dude, hold on. It's like. Yeah, so, so it's like, okay, well, you know, what you said about the gospel was correct. What you said after that was way incorrect. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to what you have to say, but, um, you know, a broken clock's right twice a day. So test everything, hold on to what's good, get rid of the bad. Um, so if, if you start getting to, like, sketchy territory, like, well, you know, Jesus is good, and you're like, okay, this person knows the gospel. And then they start getting into unfamiliar stuff, like different doctrines. And like, well, you know, this is one way, and you have to you have to know that you're, um, you know, you're speaking in tongues. That's how you know you're saved. It's like, wait, wait, you're, you're leading me down a road that's like, you know, different doctrines now, and that's incorrect. So I can follow you up to the gospel, but then when you start going down these doctrinal roads, I'm going to cut my ties with you. I'm going to go all the way back to the cross and take a deep breath, because if I never learn another doctrine, I'm I'm saved by what I have of this gospel knowledge, and that's all I need. And then you start again, rinse and repeat, over and over and over, until you hear some stuff that people say that your spirit bears witness. You go fact-checking them in the Bible. You get verses. You get reference, and what they say is true. Great. You you take one step forward. So there's there's no reason to run um, because you've already got the prize. Like, you've already got eternal life. You're already born again. So if you if you take, like, half a step at a time, that is just fine. There's no reason to try to like triple jump or long jump. Um, and they'd be like, oh gosh, I'm out here without a, I, I'm in a sea with an anchor and no boat. <laughs> what happened? It's like, just take baby steps and always be ready to turn and jump back to the cross and start fleshing out the doctrine again. But Nick, I'm not comfortable with Jesus Christ, the, the, the Lord of all glory being the center of this entire story. It's got to be about me. It's got to be about me. <laughs> If you don't believe there's exactly 144,000, exactly 144,000, you're going to hell. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's up, Nate? Missed you this morning. Uh, got caught up in a very interesting conversation in a different room. But um, yeah, I I'm think I, I think I heard. I think I think I like listened listen in for in. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm just listening yeah. in. I'm uh out with a group of students playing catch so i'm just listening but yeah all of it everything you said i'm in agreement well that's the thing about um i think we're t we've got to be talking about the same discussion like yeah i was as a little I had a scratchy throat still do but i just got to get bored and i had some work to do i'm like man i'm quick on a computer stuff i may as well be in a room so here i'm trying but if it's a, the discussion i was in earlier i don't know man i see both sides um, not just of that, but like the, the big, the 30,000 zoom out view, right? Because on one hand, you want to be biblical accurate. You want to follow principles. So for like general guidelines, like disputes within the body of Christ and, you know, Jesus says, you'll love, you know, they're my disciples because of their love they have for each other. And then when you see a bunch of supposedly disciples of Christians uh, of Christ, not acting super loving, like there's some principles you want to do, right? Like warn them once before God, warn them once before this, you know, take them with other brothers to confront their issue. Um, but also, you know, a lot of these things apply to like church leadership and authority in the church. So a lot of times, like I think there's principles that can be used, 
like it's easy, right? Like, you know, take a brother and sister in Christ and go confront the person and be like, hey, you know, you you did this. I think it was not Christ-like. I think, you know, you should think about repenting for this and, you know, let's all be friends. Uh, but then if they don't receive it, well, I mean, it's not like it's a pastor and a deacon board and all this other stuff. It's it's not a church. Like this, is, you're not a member of a church on Clubhouse. Um, no matter how it may may seem or feel, we're, we're just not. Like we don't have a pastor and church authority or stuff like that. This is not so, church. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I get that some of the principles may apply or you could use some of the principles because it's just good advice. It's good wisdom. But at the end of the day, it's not a church and we don't have one pastor that we're under to, to carry this out just like, you know, the church of Corinth would have or something like that. So, um, you know, wh whenever the, the discussion was, well, this person did something to me and, you know, they were arrogant, obnoxious, bad and called me bad names and were went behind my back and said bad stuff. It's like, OK, well, you know, that's not Christ like behavior, but you're also hosting an entire room <laughs> of, of people, you know, accusing him of some stuff, too. So it may be, it may not be the same, but it's similar. So on one hand, it's like you want to be godly, you want to call people out and not let quote sin uh, slide, wh whether they're just doing something that's actual sin or something that a person just doesn't like. So you want to call sin out and confront it, but on the other hand, you don't want to be overly judgy, um, you know, and be that fruit inspector because it's like, okay, well, if that guy's got a speck in his own eye, that very well could be, but do you not see the enormous log in your own eye? Um, so it's like it's like rightly divining that or, or tightrope walking that line between, yes, I have my own issues I can deal with, but that guy still definitely has a problem we need to deal with. Um, and and wh which side of the, the aisle do you fall on? So, I mean, I don't have a great answer. That's just kind of how I saw it. Or not. Maybe I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. Everyone got quiet. Hey, no. So the question, the, the room that I was in, uh, it was Coleman's room. We were talking about marriage. And, oh, so not that one. Oh, I'm going to say yes. I only heard yeah. the title, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We were talking about marriage. And I think Joanna was in that one, too. And we were parsing over. We were reconciling uh, the, the Corinthians passage, which talks about, you know, not defraud. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me, these allergies. Ooh, ooh. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, um, and then my throat just, my, my entire voice just went away with one like sneeze. That's crazy, right? There we go. There we go. That was crazy, right? You just transformation before your eyes. Miracles, Nate. Miracles. <laughs> Signs and wonders. <clears throat> Signs and wonders. Um, so they were talking about sort of, you know, how spouses are not supposed to like defraud each other. Uh, in, in terms of like the marriage bed and all that stuff. Um, and they were talking about, <clears throat> you know, like what's the proper way to conceptualize that. And I said, well, like everything else, we have to, you know, consider the rule of faith. So how does, what is the rest of, you know, Christendom concerning marriage say about this? And that's how should we interpret this? You know, does that, is that meant to be sort of perspective of um, like, hey, you can't tell me no, you can't deny me. You know, you got to always give me what I want in that regard. Or is there some other principle that also has an overlay that works into that, like Ephesians 5, which talks about submitting one toward another and the way in which that plays out, you know, considering others before yourself, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we were talking about. But then Coolman came out and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to straight up say, like, nobody should just be telling me no because I don't just I don't tell them no. Um, 
and he said that he did confine it to his specific context. Then he went into some sort of other things as far as him being the head and how he asserts that particular way. And we were parsing out to what degree headship in Ephesians 5 is, um, you know, authority versus responsibility and duty and fidelity. And so we were parsing that out. And then the conversation went way left into something else. But that's what we were. That's what was going on in the conversation earlier today. So, yeah. But. Yeah, that's a very different conversation of what I was thinking then. So never mind. <laughs> yep. I said that's a very different conversation than the one I thought we were talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. I realized that. That's why I was like, let me clarify. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about two different things. But it was funny because the very first half of what you were saying, it like agree. It, it makes sense because the idea is like, OK, so me and Coleman might have different applications of how we'd apply Ephesians 5 and reconcile it with that Corinthians passage. But, you know, so we diverge on those things, but our understanding of the gospel is like in sync. So it's like, okay, we stop up to this point. Um, but the idea that I kept pushing out, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this now, since it seems like there's an opening for discussion topics, but um, the thing that we were talking about basically was um, what, what headship looks like appropriately, right? Because there are people who go to such extremes to say, Hey, like wife, you must treat me the way the church treats Christ, you know? And then they pull every aspect of that interaction and relationship into the marriage uh, relationship. And it's like, Oh, in the same way that the, the Christ is the church's savior. So this, this, uh, the church, you know, they submit in every specific thing any every individual thing and they you know it's not our will but the lord's will be done that kind of thing then in that same way wives you don't have any say about anything at all you should defer all of your judgment to the husband you know in every decision and the husband makes the decisions for you because not your will but your husband's be done and it's like people will go to that extreme and i've i've always given pushback to say well, if you look at the literary context of Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, they tell you, Paul tells you what he means when he refers to the husband being the head of the wife and what the husband should do with that quote unquote position of authority as head. He should love his wife like Christ loves the church and nourish her, cherisheth her, you know, Absolutely. give himself 100%. up. 100%. Right. So it, it outlines exactly what that means when it tells the wives to submit their to their own husbands. It gives them specific parameters for how that takes place. So sometimes I like hyper sensationalized, I'll say I'll, I'll be nice and say hyper sensationalized views um, tend to like skew that a lot. When I say a lot, I mean, I've heard some wild things made and I'm like, you're using Ephesians five as a reference for for this, really. And so, I mean, here, for, for apostle, clarification, thing, right? The devil will always cite scripture for his purpose. So, well, for clarification, wasn't wasn't the real context like, should a wife always has always have sex with her husband if the husband wants it? That's what yes, I was told it was yes, about. yes. Yeah, exactly. but the thing applies and, to the husband as well, and vice versa, right? Yeah, in, same in, applies to the husband as well. Right. So the citation is, "Your body's not your own; it belongs to your spouse." And then it's like, well, to what degree is Paul saying that you don't have a right over your own body? Sure, there is at least some degree. But to what degree should we understand this in light of all the other things Paul says 
about how we should treat each other, like outdoing each other. If you are able or to, submitting if you are able another. to, you you have to do it. If you're able to, you have to do it. That that's that's where you you know you, your your own sensation of your ability, right? Obviously, if you're, I don't know. Um, absolutely exhausted. You haven't slept for the last like you know, eighty yards or something. You've been haven't had food for the last. If you're physically incapable of of, of performing yet, then then th- there is no condemnation on you for not engaging in it. But if you if well, at all you're able to, you, you, it's your duty to do so. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like First Corinthians seven. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think I pretty much agree with everything you said because what's the reasoning? Like specifically, like, you know, not talking about Ephesians or any of that. that I mean, that's true, too. But in this specific context, um, like, yeah, I mean, if I think people are pretty reasonable. So if you got married in the first place, if someone's like, hey, you know, honey, let's uh, let's go, uh, you know, to the bedroom for a little bit. And she's like, oh, I have a headache. Maybe. Like, I think most people would be, you know, for, most people would be like, OK, fine, I get it. Uh, and they're not going to be like, no, I said right this second. But I mean, you know, if it's day like three or four and it's like, oh, I have a headache. It's like, OK, take some Tylenol. Let's let's do, you know, let's let's fulfill our marriage vow. Let's do the um, do. But, let's do the do, Nate. I got word tongue tied. But like first Corinthians seven, three and five, it says the husband should fulfill his marital duty. That's not just writing postcards. Yeah, it's, like it's exactly. marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. I have a feeling that's not nearly as much of a problem. In um, constancy, constancy. And uh, that's, that's the, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, yet yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent. Oh, I have a headache. Okay, fine. I understand. Not for a whole week in a row, though. Anyways, uh, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So that's a good reason. Um, then. What, what's the real reason? Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So on one hand, it, it's, well, I mean, it says it right there. It, it, I agree with Prashant. Uh, Prashant, if, if you can do it, do it. Um, if there's an exception like, oh, not tonight, I'm super tired, I'm super exhausted, fine. I think most people are reasonable and understanding. If it becomes like a problem on the other way, it's like, you can't be, you can't expect me to be understanding like for two weeks in a row it's like now you need to you need to you know be understanding on your side. Um, so you know it takes takes two to tango. So, um, gosh, and, but, really and that's exactly that? Nate. That's exactly what I was saying. I was saying if we exercise a balanced view, right? And I pulled Ephesians five in to show that there's a duality in a consideration. So there's consideration of the husband. Let's say it's because I feel like we always say, oh, the man wants to get it get it going, and the wife is the headache one. But there's plenty of opposite, I'm sure, situations where, you know, a guy works an 18, 19 hour shift, gets home, he's exhausted, and the missus has been thinking about him all day. And so it's like, hey, let's, let's, let's get it going. And he's like, I got three hours to, to sleep before I got to get up and, and go back to work. So, so I could, so could, could you put food in your mouth? <laughs> so, right, well, right. Um, well, I, I think the, version, but, but you're, you're, well, you're just in a bustle. Wait, they, hang, hang on. Hang on. The, the thing I really want to say that I forgot, uh, then we'll go to you, Prashant. But the thing I really wanted to say was, how bad would that suck if you're like partly responsible for? Uh, so I'm trying to be careful when I say this because you're not, but you are. You have some culpability. So ultimately, uh, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So if it's on month three, and let's just say the husband is like, I've worked 21 hours a day, I can't possibly fulfill your needs because yeah, reasons. I'm a crybaby, um, and the wife's like, 
my gosh. I, I, and they go, let's just say they go out and cheat. I mean, of course, the, the wife is responsible for her own adultery. Yet, the husband still bears some sort of culpability all on his own because, you know, he's not doing what Paul's advice here is. So as a result, uh, Satan came and tempted her. He's, he's uh, because at least an could, accessory. Because, he's because at she least could, an accessory. Yeah, because she couldn't control herself, but it was because the husband was not fulfilling his marital vows. So even though she's responsible before God for her own sin, you know, that can't be fun for the husband to be like, that wouldn't have happened perhaps if I just would have, you know, fulfilled my vows. Handle the business. Handle the business, Nate. Uh, no, so I gotta, I'm going to have to run inside with these students, but the, the last thing I wanted to say is what I, what I talked about because I'm like, you know, the, the, a way to avoid this is if we take in Paul's other perspectives about, you know, dual consideration, selfless consideration, and, you know, outdoing each other in honor, then if you're stressed, you're thinking about this, your head is elsewhere, you're not in the mood, I'm going to be understanding. Likewise, you're going to be understanding that even though you feel the way that you feel, you still don't want to deny and deprive me as a spouse, whatever the case is. So we are going to find our mutual middle ground of balance without anybody feeling neglected, disconnected, alienated, etc. Uh, Prashant, what you? Uh, what were you saying a second ago? So here's the thing: we can't forget the the what's fundamental here is that marriage is God's solution for man to address his predisposition towards sexual immorality. We are to bring ourselves as chaste virgins to Christ. So, and, and that's the part. The, 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 no, no Christian has the right to have sex outside of marriage. No Christian has the right to have sex outside of marriage. Before marriage, outside of marriage, whatever the case may be. It's, it's the one exception that God has made that allows you to be presented as still chaste when you're at the great white throne. Let the Inquisition of Chris now commence. Inquisition 2.0. May the panel uh, vote. Does he stand condemned? Anyway, bro, what's up? <laughs> I will be burned as a heretic. The Pope has invited me. It's it's going to be. Did you find us through Clubhouse or through the uh, link I text you? Uh, yeah, there was nothing on Clubhouse. I found it through the link you sent me. Gosh, man, dude, it's like I'm... the great meteor that took out like the dinosaurs. It's like <laughs> Clubhouse. Yeah, this is like a technological ice age. I like that, yeah. The great I mean, I, don't think, I don't actually think that there was a meteor that took out the dinosaurs, but it's fun to see. What do you think took out the dinosaurs? I mean, I think they just kind of died off over time. I think they were on the ark. The flood. Well, what about the, the, what about the Yucatan Peninsula? What do you mean? What like, about like, the like what about what about like the massive crater? So like you'd still say like the Earth got smacked by asteroids, but that's not what took out the dinosaurs. No, it's the flood that. Well, I mean, sure, that perhaps was the ultimate cause, but the proximate cause was the flood. 
that the me the the the, the e- even going by the secular perspective, right? The the the, me- the meteor impact necessarily must have resulted in a literal global worldwide flood, right? So Dude, whenever that happened, that's a great idea. Like the oh oh man, yeah, maybe like a meteor hit. That's one of the things that led to the flood. Oh, that's smart. I didn't even think of. Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? Because, I mean, that could be, like, the water springing up from, like, you know, within the Earth. Like, I mean, if the Earth gets, pocked, like, popped by a giant meteor, maybe that could, like, you know, pull the cork and, no, lots of water. Not to mention tsunamis and, and all kinds of other stuff. Wow, we have done, got, done God's work here today. That's what the uh, younger Dryas uh, period was, the right? Younger Dryas impact ah, event? Yeah. So, that, yeah, the, the, um, uh, What's it called? The Laurentide Ice Sheet. I mean, like, it, even if you go by the, the 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 secular understanding of things, right? Uh, the evidence is is like right there. Um, that there were literally two miles of ice over what is now New York City. So there's a, a, a meteor impact there would have absolutely, absolutely generated the most horrendous kind of flood that you can imagine. What was uh, in uh, the, in um, Hiroshima, the, um, the, the device that was detonated there was what, 15 kilotons of TNT? By any estimation, the, the torrid, um, so these are the, um, Toward um, the meteor stream, right? The the impact of 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 that object would have generated a, an explosion that had the force of one hundred trillion, one hundred trillion tons of TNT, which means it would have been an extremely explosive, extremely destructive sort of event. That overnight, and this shows up in the um, the um, the ice cores, right? Um, you, the, they're called the, the, the meltwater uh, pulse A and meltwater uh, pulse B. The wild fluctuations in temperature, wild fluctuations. It would have absolutely melted away, even two miles of ice. But guess what happens when you melt away two miles of ice? You have floods all over. Yeah, you have floods all over the world. I know you're speaking English, but I don't know a lot of the words that you just used. Ice, water, melt. Oh, he was talking about some kind of event and like stuff I've, I mean... It's like science stuff. I don't know. Science. <laughs> hey, Roland, what's up? Goodbye, Roland. He's gone. <laughs> That's like a my, my Dominion or whatever that guy's name was. It's like he was up for like two seconds. I was like trying to call on him. He's like, wow, whatever. Bye. I'm like, wow. So impatient. Man. Tough crowd. Tough crowd today. 
I thought we were just going to like listen to people cry about you, Chris. <laughs> but I guess I guess that's been done. I guess that's, yeah, I guess people are tired of it now. I don't know. So what I took away from that is to be more effective is that I need to be nicer, clearly, and show a little bit more grace and also channel being upset about liberal theology and being burdened about people. Yeah, I think you just need to say it in the most dry way possible. So, like, if they're like, I'm a Christian, and, you know, Satan's also cool, I worship him, and spirit crystals are fine, Jesus is awesome, I'm totally a Christian, but um, summoning demons is also cool. I think instead of, like, doing your normal response, it would be, like, in the most dry way, like, the Bible disputes you, you're contradicting scripture, I humbly and respectfully disagree, and unless you repent, I humbly believe you will burn in hell for eternity. Yeah. Please reconsider. Exactly. If you're not going to be based in the Word of God, you're going to be debased. If you're not going to be regenerate, you're going to be degenerate. If you're not going to be reforming, you're going to be deforming. I think that's too much burn, passion. Burn. I, I think you've got to take the passion out of that even more. I don't know, right? Because you, I mean, you can get away with telling people an amazing amount of offensive material if you just say it nicely. Like, you well, know, you're probably... Then I'm accused of witchcraft because I'm being... Well, no, you just got to say that all the time, the same way, right? So, so I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. So, let's check in with uh, let's check in with Leah. What's up, Leah? Leah, well, Leah? Yeah, so it's interesting because I kind of watch from the distance and I know Chris and he's one of the nicest people I know. And I don't think that's the problem. And I find it fascinating that the problem seems to always be Chris. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> so, I mean... I, I don't think this is really the root of the problem, but yet he kind of gets uh, bullied and picked on and told that he's think, the problem. And I don't think that that's fair. I think it's somehow like, man, I, I don't know. Like climb up on our couch, Chris, we'll diagnose you. Like I, I compared you to Roy and people hated that. Uh, Cause they're like, no, Roy, you can't compare them. I'm like, bro, I just mean personality types. I mean, like, you know, the, that kind of type a, like, you know, dominant, like forceful, like my way or the highway, like, Matter of fact, this is how it is. If you disagree, I'm saying you're wrong. I'm calling you a liar. Instead of like, well, it's not exactly true. But like, no, I'm saying you're a liar, right? Like you and Roy both have that kind of like gravitas. Like you you don't mince words. And I think that's a lot of the problem. So I was just trying to point out the way people deal with Roy, personality is perhaps the way they would need to deal with you. So it's like if you if you don't appreciate that level of bluntness, um, which, you know, like you said, can border on, uh, you know, maybe being a little too zealous or a little too, uh, too not super Christ-like, being like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're stupid. Like, you know, maybe that could be worked on. But, I mean, still, it's blunt. It's matter of fact. How would it, and if you uh, can't handle that, then, how, then, then how, maybe, the answer, maybe the answer is just, you know, stay away from them. Like, there's people that I don't want to be around. So instead of, you know, having this big, like, witch hunt, I just don't go around those people. What, Prashant? The question is, how, why is that not Christ-like? Like, last, last I remember, Christ never means his words. Well, I mean, I think like, <laughs> I, I think like the... How, well, many yeah, times I think, does he, how many times has he been addressing people with, you brutal vipers, <laughs> you dead of serpents, right? Uh, he, he, yeah, so I mean, if Chris wants to use the words of Christ and call them a brood of vipers, I mean, you know, I'll probably support that. 
But if he's like, you know, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you know, those aren't super friendly terms to start on. Well, I mean, stupidity has that there's very deep connection between stupidity and spiritual bankruptcy. See, you just made that case better, but you didn't have to call someone an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I think if we look at Proverbs, but, but I agree with Leah, right? to be made for what's, what's stupid biblically. Um, and if we're using it in that way, rather than just going around insulting people. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I mean, that was my, that, that's my biggest thing with... Uh, what does Paul say? Oh, foolish, oh, foolish Galatians. What has been this year? Okay, foolish. so, so let's use those... So let's what, use those terms. What, 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 the, the, how, how's, but I, okay, it may make them feel, it may make them feel bad, but I don't see, there's no, there's no substantive difference between calling somebody an idiot and calling somebody a fool. Well, the Bible says, you know, if you talk about someone's an idiot, you're liable to the fires, fires of hell, so I'll just leave that lie. But no, I mean, it's, first of all, you know, Paul says, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. So if someone is just unpeaceable and will not allow you to live at peace with them, then that's not on you. But if they will, and most will, right? Like a gentle answer turns away wrath. But, you know, uh, what, like hot words or whatever, stir up stir up anger. Um, so, I mean, there's stuff we can do. So it's not all like, you are foolish, you're foolish. And there's a difference in like, hey, you're being foolish versus you're a fool. There is no hope for you. You are so dumb. Like, you get what I'm saying, right? And I'm I'm not picking on Chris. I'm trying to make a quick Chris point. Like, you know, you could you could be a little more amiable because it's not what you say, it's just in the way. But that's like twenty percent Chris. And the rest is like when you point your finger at someone, you got three fingers pointing back. So like, you know, I, I feel like I was a pretty objective observer because I just walked in and had no idea what was happening. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm coming in with this with fresh eyes, fresh ears. I like all the people involved as much as I know them. Um so I'm like, yeah, well, Chris can be this way. He can certainly, you know, his problems are easily identifiable. It's like temper down the tone, be a little more nice and polite and, you know, live at peace with all people as much as dependent on you. Like he could be a little more like that. But for everyone else, you know, all the like backbiting and stuff like that, it's like, at what point do we cross the line from Chris, you have a speck in your eye way over there with mean words that make me feel bad, but I'm going to leave this log in my own eye right here. Um, because, I mean, some of the stuff I heard over there was, like, pretty venomous. Like, like pretty darn venomous. Um, so yeah. I, I would say, like, where's the line, right? Because it's like, look, Chris admits, like, you know, he, he could probably tone it down. And um, But these other people are just, like, not all of them, but, you know, some of them just seemed very kind of self-righteous. Like, they're bagging on Chris while completely ignoring, like, pretty glaring things in, in their own conduct. Um, anyway, I don't know. That was my takeaway. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Nate, because um, I've recognized some of that as well. And when you say, like, be nice and everything, you're not talking about just, like, compromising truth, right? Because I think that's that's some of, of the balance. Not. So, yeah. yeah, so I think, I think like, well, I mean, you know, if you've listened to, like, us in here for any amount of time, I know you have, um, like, yeah, never compromise. But it's like, uh, how do you say it? It's like, well, look, Jesus says is the only way the father, if you don't believe in him, if you don't have eternal life in him, then you will go to the place created for the devil and his angels, which is hell. It's torture forever apart from God. Don't go to hell. You should repent, believe the gospel, put your faith in Jesus today. That's what you need to do. Versus, uh, you know, 
you're so stupid in your religion, like blah, blah, blah. You're such an idiot. Like you don't even know how to read. Like Jesus could be standing in front of you and get like spit in his face and blah, blah, blah. And you're going to burn in hell forever. I may even pray that you go there. You want me to pray you go to hell? Um, Cause that's happened. Not with Chris, but just in general. So it's like, okay, you said, you told the same thing and you've been accurate both times without Jesus, that person in Christianity, according to Christianity, they're going to burn. Uh, but one way you've said it with like a Christ-like call to repentance, like John the Baptist-esque, like repent. Um, and in the other one, you've done it like like very spiteful, aggressive, like y- you've done the best job you can do to try to push that person away from receiving Christ. So, but, but you said the same message. Without Christ, you burn. Um, it's just, you know, one is a little more living at peace with all people as much as possible in you. And you haven't compromised your convictions in either one. Like you've said verbatim what the Bible says, um, but yeah, never, never compromise truth. It, it's, it's not what you say. It's just in the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I guess the point, Funny what, what, what you're getting to, uh, Nate, is, you know, uh, having an effective manner of communication, but I mean, we, uh, this is something that I, I've had to like, remind myself and work on myself. It's like, they're not mine to say. Like, I don't, I, I'm not the person who holds the power of salvation in my hands. It's only the Holy Spirit. I'm only the, a very crappy cover band for the greatest musician of all creation. So, <clears throat> you know, could, could, I, could I do better? The manner in which, the manner in which I preach the gospel, of course, as we all could. But at the end of the day, I don't think that there is any condemnation for those who are in Christ and are doing the best that they can. As long as they bring every single thought of their own and every single attitude and condition of their heart captive to Christ. Well, that's you know. Here's the thing, is that I was just talking to Lee the other day, um, I don't think she'd mind me sharing this, that I asked her, I was like, hey, do you, know, do you know any good books about persuasion? Because I want to get better at persuading people, and she shared a book with me that would help me be more persuasive. Because I realized, look, there's a lot of stuff that I know, I've read a lot of crap, you know, I've read a lot of good stuff, um, you know, I can synthesize that into stuff, but if no one cares... And I'm not getting through to anybody and I'm not persuading anybody, then what's the point? I can know a bunch of stuff and that does nobody any good if I can't say it in a manner that is persuasive and that can push forward the dialogue. And so my thing is that I want to get better at that and, you know, be more persuasive and less I'm going to win the argument and make sure you don't come back for because I can't do that. I mean, like, if I don't want to have an argument with somebody anymore, I can end the argument pretty quickly. And that's acerbic, and that's probably not the best. Well, I, what I would say is that, you know, even the most, a man who used to be the most pharisaical of all of the Pharisees, and eventually ended up becoming one of the opiates of all of the Christians. Paul, in the book of Acts seventeen twenty two, when he begins preaching in Athens at the Areopagus, he begins with saying, men of Athens, I know you are very religious in every way. 
so even even Paul even Paul had the good sense to to uh, to not choose violence and just completely tell them that they're gonna that they're gonna be burning in hell for all eternity. We can clearly see here him doing his best to initiate that dialogue and that process of persuasion as best as he could and try to communicate, you know, transmit the gospel to them in a manner that would make sense to them at least foundationally. So Nate, why don't you um, keep me on my toes, Vic, and uh, I'll let, I mean, the rest of my friends are here, so you guys can do the same for me. That'd be great. Kill them all. Kill them all for Christ. Kill them all. Let God sort them out. All right. Sorry if you just clipped that. Let's, let's see that on YouTube later. Oh, <laughs> I actually, I have, I have a question that kind of ties, it, ties into the yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it about witchcraft? That no. was my favorite part. Oh, well, real quick, let me let me just say something to wrap up what Chris said. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to help as a brother in Christ. Uh, you know, happy to be like, hey, bro, you know, maybe back off. I, I mean, I think the key advice is, you know, if you start getting flustered or sense people getting like, why are you being so mean, Chris? Why are you being so mean? Just think in your head, like, the key to success is be boring. So if you're like, you don't know how to read a book, I'm telling you, you cannot comprehend because you're so Dumb. Be like, okay, wait. Be like, boring. Boring is the key. Be like, okay, I understand you disagree. What you need to do is read this book. I'm happy to send you a link. There's a link in the chat. That is the answer. If you go there and read that, let's talk about your questions. Just, just be as boring as you possibly can. I think that's the best, the best, uh, the best quick reset. But on the other hand, we don't want clones, right? Like, if if people had like, you know, 30 of me, everyone would jump out the window. Uh, don't jump out the window. Because, you know, I, you could probably help me. Be like, stop stuttering. Stop saying um so much. Like, I get it, right? Like, people are like, you talk too fast. So somewhere between, you know, Christ-like behavior, like wholesome speech that builds up, stuff like that, we all know it. And we all fail miserably every single day. Um, but, you know, maybe some more than others. But still, it's different strokes for different strokes, uh, different folks. So as long as we're in that, that mindset of keeping in the guidelines of trying to, you know, be helpful and relevant information and not condemning but being peaceful – while still not compromising our convictions, some people, uh, it may work better to be passionate. Other people, it may, may be more received to be boring to death. Um, so, I mean, you know, not, not to micromanage, but I don't know. I think the best help is, is whenever you think that you're start, starting to, like, get in trouble or be, be a little too rambunctious, just think boring is the answer. <laughs> What's up, Keegan? What's your question? Yeah, um, I was in a room this morning, a healthy debate, I don't know if anyone's been there, but anyways, there were a conversation about Christianity and Judaism and kind of how they tie together, um, and there was a point made that I tried to have persuasion uh, for these people, but I was really, I, I kind of want to pose this question to you guys, because, you know, I feel like, you know, Chris, Nate, you guys kind of are smarter than me, but uh, in, in in biblical terms, so the question is, is that, uh, is Christianity rooted in anti-Semitism? Because no, like, that's stupid. 
I guess Jews. Oh my gosh, I did it. I just did it, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, it's okay, right? Because I called the argument stupid, not a person stupid. Yeah. Well, okay, I, I feel good about that. No, it is not rooted in anti-Semitism. It is not. You know, how, how, how could Christians be anti-Semitic when the person that we love the most in the world was born a Jew? Every single one of the authors of the 66 books of the Bible, except one, was a Jew. So well, it, the, the, the issue the issue is not the issue if you and if you if you, you know, I, I assume you're referring to the Gospel of John, correct? Gospel of John chapter eight beginning at verse thirty one. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. So let's not forget that that, that there's that there's a qualification there. Those who had believed him. So he wasn't referring to the um, the Essenes who had already by that point hermitized themselves and they were living in caves and believing in all kinds of goofy stuff. He wasn't talking about the Zealots who pretty much made themselves into a political movement. He wasn't talking about the Sadducees who were literal atheists. They did not even believe in a spiritual realm. He was specifically referring to the Pharisees who knew the word of God like the back of their hands. And who should have known, who should have known that this person, this man, Jesus Christ, fulfilled all of the, 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 the check the boxes, down the line, this is the Messiah. And they deny him. So in that, in, in that, kind, that kind of willing unbelief, that is, that is the only that is the only condemnation against the unrepentant and unbelieving Jewish nation. Not in, their, not in the circumstances of their birth. It's not biological. It's not genetic in nature. It has to do with the condition of their heart. Well, and their... I'm sorry. No, you're good. Well, that was, that was a large portion of the discussion was getting to the bottom of like the you know kind of the foundation of christianity right that that it is built from judaism like we can't be anti-semitic if we are following you know we're, the judaic we are yeah. the jews now we're, we're the we're the nation of israel right so, to but, us to us we're the inheritors of this new jerusalem but so then the the discussion went to i that's guess that's why people would make that case Yes, is that we then are now anti-Semitic because we're saying Jews aren't Jews. And then also, I guess you go to Revelations and Jews make this far stretch that, you know, they are, you know, they're being told that when, you know, God comes back, when Jesus comes back for the second coming, that they will be, you know, they will have damnation, right? They'll they'll go into hell. And I'm like, well, that's everyone, right? That's just every non-believer of, of, of Jesus, but there's this far stretch, I think, that they make that they're like, well, you guys want Israel to be a sovereign nation. You guys want us to have prosperity just for our demise. And I'm like, that's such a weird stretch that you, that like that you guys are making on the stage. And I was like, I'm not the best scholar for this. And I was like, that's why I, that question just kind of posing it to you guys, because I was like, it's a thing that I've just never heard before. But I guess a lot of stuff on Clubhouse, you just never hear before. And that's where I would say, so, like, don't compromise. So, like, you know, there could be certain people who you know, they, they will make that case and be like, well, if you're saying like a, a group of Jews are wrong about the religion, you're anti-Semitic. And I say, stand your convictions. No, if you find someone 
that says, I'm a Christian. I believe all the Christian talking points, and I hate all Jews because they're Jews. Great. You're an anti-Semitic racist. That, that, that would be it. If you're like, no, I think that, you know, Judaism got some things wrong. And by the way, not all Jews are, you know, practicing observant Jews. So, you know, it's not a Jewish thing. It's about Jews who are observant and follow their, their religion, Judaism. I think they got some things wrong. I think Christ is the Messiah. Therefore, I disagree. That is not anti-Semitic. And if someone continued to say it is, then we just have to do what we've been talking to Chris about and peacefully be like, bro, we disagree. That is the end. Wait, 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 Chris, Chris was about to say something and then I know, uh, and then Prashant and then uh, Abba. So, so all I was going to say is there is a strain of uh, premillennial Christians that have a belief that um, they can trigger the second coming of Christ by fulfilling a bunch of prophecy with Israel and the Jews. Um, that is a very small percentage of like the John Hagee kind of, I'm, I'm just going to call it, I'm going to be as least charitable as I was ever. I'm going to say they're kind of whack jobs. Like John Hagee, I think is a whack job, but he has a lot of followers. And what is true is that they do believe that by, um, you know, doing all of these very nice things for uh, Jewish people in Israel, that they can then trigger the, the, you know, essentially the seven-year tribulation, which will lead to, you know, in, in that theology, it will lead to pretty much a second Holocaust. And so what some of our Jewish friends are saying is not wrong. It's just that if you're paying, and Abba doesn't do this, because Abba and I have had this conversation, like, there's, there's a whole bunch of different sects of Christianity that believe a whole bunch of different things about eschatology, and if those guys are maybe two or three percent of evangelicals, I'd be surprised. It may be more. I don't know. But literally nobody I know in evangelical circles believes John Hagee and his nonsense. And so I can see why people who have been historically put upon, oppressed, you know, killed and tortured would, would look pretty warily at people that are like, hey, we want you to succeed in Israel to trigger the tribulation, which will be a second Holocaust. I mean, it just sounds terrible, and, and it is. So, like, I can see where they get that geek. Right, but then back to the original thing, inherently, uh, no, Christianity is not anti-Semitic. Uh, Prashant, you wanted to say something real fast? Yeah, we'll see what really quickly, right? Like, as I mentioned, it's, uh, I have several friends who were born Jewish, Right, they're they're they're, they're of, of Jewish extraction, and they're Christians. They, the, 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 I would say the, the vast majority of the first century eighty Christians were Jewish. It was called the Nazarene sect. And so this, there's it, it, it is it's extremely frustrating when people miss this very essential aspect of the Christian faith that it has nothing to do with the flesh and it has everything to do with the spirits. And, you know, the, and if, if, if you're a Christian, you should literally have this memorized, this verse memorized. If not, do it today. First John chapter 2, uh, verse 22. Who is the liar other than he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist. So it's, it's not in their 
it's not the fact that they're of a certain ethnicity or have a certain bloodline. The descent is a spiritual descent. And it's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's as ancient of a war as you can imagine. Genesis 3.15. This is, and God declared that war. He, he, he proclaimed that there will eternally be enmity between the children of the woman and the children of the serpent. And that's just the reality of the matter. Which is why at the end of, in, in, in Revelation, um, let me, if I remember correctly, uh, chapter 22, verse, is it 14 or 15? Not sure. Let me, let me look it up because I don't, I don't want to bungle it because this is a, this is a very important point. Revelation 22, 15, it's very, very clearly established. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. For outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It has absolutely nothing to do with their ethnic background. It has everything to do with their continual denial of the Lord of all glory. Uh, Abba. What's up? I'm going to try to be as boring as possible because that was a load of horse hooey. Um, I think Chris said it well, actually. And that's because Chris knows history. And he understands church history, especially. The, the theologies that he calls fringe, you know, I don't know enough about internal Christian dialogue to know that they're fringe, but uh, it doesn't strike me that they're fringe. Um, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of influence. It strikes me that that is the megachurch evangelical thread about Israel, at least the formal theology. If you know, I can't say what the beliefs are of the people. So label it whatever you want. Let's take away, you know, the problematic word. And let's just say that instrumentalizing the Jews for this type of trigger to the end times is not in service of the Jews. It is in service of a theology that isn't Jewish. And it's not for our benefit, but it is for the benefit of eventually hoping to come to Jesus, which I understand is a priority for y'all. But let's think about this in historical terms. Um, as I said in that other room, and Keegan and I were talking on that stage, I can draw a direct line from American anti-Semitism on the rise, as we all know, to anti-Christian sentiment, anti Christian anti-Jewish sentiment from centuries ago. Most most. The biggest one is, is that we're Christ killers. I can draw a straight line. And so I think when Chris said, you can understand why. Sure, you got to understand why. 
And if you're just going to deny the history of what happened and the relationship between Christian communities and Jewish communities, the deliberate attempts to take away anything that looks Jewish um, from the church, the persecution of Christians towards Jews based on their belief and insistence that we wanted to keep being Jewish and not believe in Jesus, please listen to us, the victims of thousands of years of Christian violence, when we say what this stuff means to us. You don't have to believe it theologically, and you might have an answer to get out of it theologically or whatever. But that doesn't mean that we get to that we have to lie down and take it. And that doesn't mean that you can sit there and listen and deliberately not hear what we are saying. Take us seriously. Don't make us a tool, just an instrument for something that's gonna happen in the end times. Because what it's, but even if Chris is right, even in those fringe theologies, if they are, what it spells is, in explicit terms, is the end of Judaism. Maybe not the end of Jews or Jewish people, but the end of Judaism because we will all come to Jesus. This nonsense replacement theory of we are now the, Jew, we are now the new Jews in spirit. Think what you want. That's incredibly, incredibly offensive and is a, and, and simply is a, I don't know, the way that it's used all over by Christians to try and convince some, to try and convince Jews that actually the correct way to be Jewish is to believe in Jesus. Maybe it's correct or maybe it's not correct, but the authority structures of Judaism said that it isn't. So get off our backs about telling us that to be Jewish really means to accept Jesus. Because if, as you say, that all of those sources that you said, it's, all, it's always about anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus, not just Jews, then why does it sure seem that you have a special place in your heart to proselytize and convert Jews? It's a bigger get to get a Jew to convert to Jesus than it is to get somebody else to convert to Jesus. So I will not accept Christians sitting there and saying that that isn't a part of it. There is a special well, place for the Jews. So I guess, you know, sit there and accept this for me. The things you're talking about, sure, I can think of, of people where that would apply to. None of them do I know personally. I'm not one of them. So while I agree with you know what you're saying for the people that would apply to, sure. I don't know any in my personal life, but I've heard people say stuff that that would apply to. Um, so for me, there is no get. Um, you know, anyone is saved because I believe God has a direct hand in that. We just share what we believe. So Jew, Gentile, Hebrew, Israelite, don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, we do our job. I do my job and just share what I believe. So. If, if you wanted to convert tomorrow and some other one, some other person who is a, a not a Jewish person wanted to convert tomorrow, that makes no difference to me. I think, you know, it's God's responsibility anyways that anyone comes to that belief. So, you know, one person is one person. No one is special. Um, uh, some of the other things, um, 
yeah, I mean, you know, you could say like anti-human at that point, because if they believe like, you know, uh, about the end of days, if you're not, you know, a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ, then it's bad for the Jews. And like Prashant said, it's not just bad for the Jews, it's bad for everyone who's not a Christian. So like, instead of saying anti-Semite, if that's really what someone believes, elevate it to anti-human. Do you mind if I interrupt, Nate? Do you mind if I interrupt? Because a big part of my point. Well, well can I, let me just say I one said, thing and you can talk. So, so yeah. So. I, I'm sitting here like on display, like I, it feels like everything is aimed at me and the people in this room when none of this applies to us. So bring me these people of whom you speak and I will humbly disagree with them. Like, I don't know what right. else I can do. Like, I'm not going to be this. So you missed it. You missed You missed a big part of what I said, well, which, I is to take, talking, go ahead. which is to take the Jews seriously, given all of the history that I just spoke about. Take it seriously when we say these things and what it means to contemporary Jewish communities now. Be curious about it. Ask questions. Don't simply say, well, that's not our theology, blah, blah, blah. It might not be your theology. But the, the knee-jerk reaction to do that, and I understand why somebody's called an anti-Semite, that's fine. But the knee-jerk reaction to say, no, 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 it's just anti-human, blah, 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 is both, I think, at least a little bit inaccurate and doesn't help the case, right? It just means that Christian is anti-human, and that's not good either. No, so I'm trying to show please, I'm trying to show I understand. Nate, 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 I understand. Here's what folks should do. We un they should no, say things like this. We wait, understand. Abba, Abba, I have to point out the irony. You you just like and you do have a lot of wind coming in your headphones or your microphone. But I have to point out the irony. You just kind of gave a little bit of a lecture about how Christians should not tell Jews how to do their religion. Are you actually about to because you just said, said here's what you should do? Are you just about to tell Christians how we should be Christian? Absolutely like, not. Absolutely not. I would never. Okay. So without telling us how to be Christian, you, you were literally about to tell us what we should do. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. What you should do is listen to the person who's telling you that they are offended by something that you said and something that you believe. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like their, that they're being offended. But, you have, but the good thing to do, the honest thing to do in a conversation is to listen, be curious, ask questions, and don't be so triggered if somebody is offended. And don't always seek to defend or tell people that they shouldn't feel what they are feeling. This is a real concern within the Jewish community. This is a real issue we talk about all the time. And the fact that you can do all of these things and defend the theology doesn't make it any better because we are experiencing it in this way. Don't reject us. Take us seriously. Okay, so again, um... Are you talking to me? Because if you're talking to me, I'm having a hard time having this applying because the only time I talk to Jewish people, much like most mo – the only time I talk to any people pretty much about this stuff is when they come to me. So if this applied to me, you have a good point. For all those people who this does apply to, you have a good point. Um, if I went seeking you out you know, on my mission to convert you, that would be a great time to bring that up. But I'm, I'm just having a struggle between – you know. 
Keegan brought Charles it up. Is applying to me. Keegan, Keegan brought up the conversation in another room. We are now analyzing that conversation. If you are taking it that I'm speaking to any one person in particular in this room, you have not been listening to me very carefully. I'm trying to. Abba, are you making the point that Christianity is anti-human if we uh, believe in revelation? I mean, in all of my study about Christianity, and I have studied quite a lot for a rabbi, um, I do sense a kind of anti-humanism in Christianity, but it's not related to the revelation. It's actually related to the nature of humanity as expressed by Christianity, which is totally in sin from the get-go. I think that's an anti-human position. Now, it's an, that's an analysis of mine and an interpretation of mine. You'll pre- I know that you all see it differently, but that's where I see the anti, anti-humanism in Christianity, the rejection of the physical and the body, right? Um, all of this stuff that we come along with in the human condition that is by nature given as a bad thing and not as simply a sta- the way that we are supposed to be. Uh, so I find that to be an anti-human position, but it's not the it's not the revelation parts. So I would I would I would actually agree with you, Abba, uh, in a certain sense. Yes, uh, Christianity is an extremely intolerant religion, and it is very anti-human, because the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man will always be at eternal hostility with each other. And this is this is not. Not just to do with revelation, is this doesn't have there's only one there's one single consistent theme in the entirety of scripture. You could go as far back as the very first verses of the Bible all the way to the very last verses of the Bible. From the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament. It's always been about God's chosen people, and because we have this sort of a relationship with God. We necessarily, by implication, have a certain sort of relationship with the rest of the world and with the rest of humanity, those who are not in Christ. And I, I have, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely unashamed of that. So I'd probably come out with a better term than anti-human. <laughs> But one more thing, and I would make a point of, is when you talked about uh, Abba, how people, you can draw a direct line to, you know, Christians saying Jesus, you know, Jesus was directly killed by by Jews and and that whole thing. I mean, explaining what we actually believe, Jews are not special in this regard. Even though some people that you were talking to may want to make it sound that way, like the Jews killed Jesus. Well, the Jews were also the first followers of Jesus, and Jesus was a Jew. Um, but that line directly goes to every person, past, present, and future. So physically, if you want to talk about, you know, the Jews by way, you know, via Roman, via the single person who, you know, like beat or the single person who stabbed Jesus or whatever. But again, spiritually, like we are all guilty. We all bear guilt for killing Jesus. So just wanted to make that point. I no understand. I understand. I understand. But the theology notwithstanding. The real, and Prashant is right, because there is this 
relationship. But the real relationship in some instances is um, makes us a tool. And I think Prashant maybe misspoke. He said it was always about the Jewish people, which means it's always about humanity. He proved my point. There is a special idea that's held for Jews. You don't have anything without us. Sorry to say. Um, I'm not sure what you mean exactly. There is no Jesus with there is no Jesus without Jesus. That, might be, one the most, well, that might be one of the most blasphemous things I've heard this entire. Well, so for example, there is no Jesus without Judaism. There wait, is okay, no Christian okay. Bible. Listen, wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second, Chris. No, no, the I'm Christian. Quite long mate, no, no, the Abba, Christian Bible. You're, you're, no, Abba, the Christian. <laughs> Abba, I'm going to win this argument. I interrupt very little that I don't let people continue. You just totally botched a major Christian belief. And I just want it on record that it's corrected because it's a pretty big one. So it doesn't matter what you think or not. You know, the Christian belief is there is a Jesus regardless of Jews, right? So like Jesus always existed. Jesus is God. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. That's the Christian belief. I just want to clarify before we continue. Like it's a pretty big point. I'm speaking historically. Points. I'm speaking okay. historically, Nate. Okay. Maybe not in history. Stuff. In history. Christianity does not emerge as a historical entity without Judaism, as a historical entity. I would even go as far as to say, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it that the first followers were Jews and it was an anti-Jewish movement. You can't defend yourself like you can't. That's nonsensical. The, I mean, the, the, let's the, speak. The, 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 Abba, there is an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the consistent pattern of backsliding and unbelief that over and over emerged in the Israelite nation. I mean, it, 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 it would be, it, 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 it's, it would, I almost don't even want to do it. When was the last time you read the book of Ezekiel? When I, the last time I read what? The book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. I, I don't know, there was, pro the I know, there was probably, there was probably a man, what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark. Guys, well, just please, please, please listen carefully. At no well, point make, make your, have I characterized. And we're going to move on because random's here, but go ahead and make your final point. At, at no point have I characterized Christian belief in any way, in the ways that Prashant just said, there's been a riches of backsliding evidence of the Jewish people. You're making my point for me. You don't get it. Okay, uh, Random, you've been here a little while. Did you have a different question? No, I was going to address what was being said, but if you don't want me to, that's fine. Well, I, I mean, I guess go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sure. For, from from an atheistic standpoint, so so a little bit uh, outside of the box, uh, I, having studied Christianity and, and a very minor amount of Judaism, to be fair, I, I just, I understand the history of, uh, of the Jewish people and the persecutions and all that kind of stuff. But nowadays, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not, I'm not seeing Christianity singling out Judaism. Uh, there's a couple sects. Uh, that I can kind of notice little hints of, but like, I, I'm concerned 
and I'm and I'm not going to make a definitive statement, Ava, but I'm concerned that this may be uh, kind of a perspective-based focus. Um, it it just what what you're describing is exists in minor ways, but not in major ways. I'm just not seeing. So that might be right. I don't know all of the internal inside baseball of Christian community. I mean, you are talking about 150 million people in America. Um, not to mention the other, like, you know, 900 million across the world. Um, when it is brought up, however, on a stage, when that view is represented, you better believe that there's going to be some Jews who are going to um, express what those, Jew- what those views hear sound like to them. Um, you know, the fact that Prashant keeps going, the fact that the fact that Prashant keeps going back to and other and others, right. Go keep going back to, Oh, well, that's what the Jews are said to do that. They're just playing their role as said in the Bible. Right. I'm not doing any of that. You'll notice I'm talking about the history of the relationship between the two communities and how the different beliefs of the two communities were made, you know, in response to one another a lot of the time. Well, yes. Right? So and, I'm not, and, I'm I just, not and I just find, and I just find that an ignoring of that Five-minute response sort of responding like 10 seconds isn't really a conversation, Abba. Okay? Like, I, I'm struggling with this being a conversation, not you, just you talking at me. Um, what I'm saying is, it seems like you are taking certain aspects of Christianity, which I'm not going to deny exist, like there are certain parts, and, and you're right about the theology, or seemingly, at, at least a level of right about the theology of Christianity, as far as I can tell, being an atheist, mind you, like, but the same thing goes for different groups, like, some, some groups have a role in, in kind of the, the, the end times of Christianity, Judaism being one of them, but like at the end of the day, that's just their theology, right? I, I, I mean, I completely disagree with their theology and yours, but like, I'm not going to say you're terrible people because of your theology. Like, it's just the, it's just the theology. Like, I, I just, I when, don't know why you're so focused. When that theology, it's not about focus. It was the topic of the room. And so that's why we were talking about it. Um, it, it came up, right? It wasn't like Jews got up there and opened a room about this, right? So it was in the flow. And you're right, it's only one, it's only one issue. However, when that belief, which I'm, I'm not trying to convince people to not have, when that belief has real life consequences and people are trying to hasten the second coming, and that means if you hold this weird theology, you're gonna do some stuff to Jews and have a particular attitude towards Jews, we get to say something about that because we're the, we're the object. Right. And no amount of like apologizing for what the theology really means is actually going to do anything. Well, I guess. And then we'll see if um, what Diaz is saying. But I, I, again, I'm struggling. So one, if you're trying to spread awareness, this is the wrong place. Um, so I guess, you know, let's spread your message to, I don't know, camp outside Hagee's doorstep, um, you know, to the people that actually need to hear this. For me, if you want to know, you know, what uh, my general group of Christians think, the Jews, like, it, it says stuff about the Jews in the end times, 
but we don't have anything to do with it. It talks about how God's going to deal with them, and, you know, it's going to be between them and God and the tribes and all that stuff, and it has zero to do with me. So what I'm waiting for in the end times is, well, I mean, I'm, I won't be around for it. I believe, you know, I'll be out of here. But what I think is going to happen is, you know, some probably, not that I'm trying to hate Europeans, but probably some, like, you know, atheist European dude is going to, like, broker a peace deal at some point and be like, hey, let's rebuild the third, let's rebuild the temple. That's a good idea. So, again, like the Jewish people will perhaps have a hand in building the temple, but that has zero to do with me. Like, I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying this is going to happen. Nothing's going to stop it. Um, so I'm just sitting around waiting. Um, so, I mean, if someone wants to focus, like, pick out a group, I guess Nate has a problem with perhaps some random European atheist dude, um, to the best of his opinion. But I don't even have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Europeans. But my theology, my end times theology, certainly has nothing good or bad to do with Jewish people. It's just telling the narrative, like, this is what's going to happen. Um, Dee, what's up, Dee? That's a cop. I was just going to add... But, but, how is it? it's, not um, a, but it's not a cop-out. It's like, so okay, if I believe, like, what, what am I copping out? Like, do you want to put a sword in my hand and say, like, go fight wars with Jews? I'm like, why? For your God to usher in the end times. You're not even, you're not even, you're you're not even listening to what I'm saying. You're not even responding to the things that I said. You're not even, no, you're not even, you're you're not, because you're not even responding. Abba, I'm done with this conversation. I don't hate Jews, and even if I had a severe problem with some Jews, it's not because they're Jews, it's because they're obstinate and I have a problem with them. So, this is just so irrelevant, I'm dying inside. I want a new topic. Like, Dee wanted to say something about this, and then let's find a new topic. I'm just over it. It's like, just because people disagree or have a warped theology or whatever, doesn't mean they're racist, doesn't mean they're anti-Semites. It just doesn't. So, I don't care. I'm not your audience. If I find someone that's like, I love Hitler, I hate Jews. I'm like, bro, why are you racist? Don't hate Jews. But I never meet those people. So, put them in front of me. And I'm happy to be like, bro, don't be a racist. But I don't know what else to say. So short of, anyway, D, what's up, D? Well, hey, Nate. This room is kind of late, but here I am anyway. Oh, I'm so glad I opened it today. Morning. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask Abba, um, uh, what is the boogeyman? Because I'm not, I'm not aware of it. Like, I am a believer of Christ. I don't know what I'm supposed to do that is going to harm Jews. So I just wanted to ask him, like, when, you know, just to be a little bit more specific, because it was a very general um, general uh, idea. And so I just wanted to hear what he was going to say specifically. That's all. Well, that can be, uh, that can carry on. I wanted to change the conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, that can be carried over to chat. So, I mean, that, that conversation could play out in chat. I'm just, I, I'm done talking about it. I don't have anything to contribute. Like, I just don't. Um, it, it's kind of a recurring thing. And I mean, there's nowhere else to go. It's beating a dead horse. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah we, we, it, that, that, that horse has been dead for a while. Well, let's turn it back over to Father Chris. Do you have any uh, other insightful or inciting topics? Look, or leave me yeah, to Chris. I mean, look, I think that maybe what would be instructive and put it, I believe. He's in the audience. Oh, no, he's in the chat. Okay, he's in the audience. Um, you know, 
to be fair, maybe a really good thing to do would be for for maybe me to team up with Abba, and we can hear a perspective from from a historical perspective. I think that he has a two prong issue, and he can correct me on this in the chat. I think he has a, an issue with certain Christian theologies like John Hagee and some of that that kind of stuff, um, as well as a a historical beef. And I think his historical beef is absolutely valid. Um, I think that a lot of the early church was truly anti-Semitic. Um, I think that the early church was definitely, and, and the medieval church and the late church as well. So like everybody, everybody's got a problem. And I think that we as right. Christians have to, I think that we as Christians have to acknowledge that. And I'm not saying we do like you know, some kind of penance or anything like that, but we should acknowledge that there is a point at which there is a lot of Christian writing from church fathers talking about Jews and saying some really bad stuff about Jews that every one of us on stage today would absolutely condemn. And if I were to start reading some of the stuff from, say, John Christodom or from Augustine, like, you would be shocked or Luther. at some of the things. Or Luther. Stop yeah, you, you would be completely... You would be completely shocked at some of the things that are said. Now, all that being said, we think that Abba is a fair arbiter, that he does not broad brush Christianity. I think that he's frustrated that he doesn't feel like he's being listened to about this. And, and he can tell me if all of that is accurate. And again, I think that historically he absolutely has a point, and I think he absolutely has a point with some of the, the wacky theology that we get from some of these other folks. And then he may, you know, he may have other issues with certain aspects of Christian theology and original sin and some other things. And I would love to have a conversation about those types of things with him as well. But I think that we just need to have constructive conversations with each other, All right, which is kind of ironic considering where we started today. Yeah. Well, let's give someone else a chance to give us a new topic. Michael, welcome. Hey, how you, guys, up, how you guys doing? What's going on? What's good? What's on your mind? Um, not much. You know, blessed. Blessed. It's, um, you know, Prashant, what's up, buddy? Um, you know, really, um, I, I would like to focus on, you know, Galatians 5 and 6, or is it Galatians 5 and 2, the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, long faith, and self-control. You know, that's what we should be walking in, in one mind, one accord. Not, you know, not these First Timothy 6, chapter 6 things. You know, we really should just be, it's, it's love, man. Love covers a multitude of sins. So we could actually, you know, save someone's soul just by how much we're loving. So, you know, love is the highest frequency on earth, and that's what should be focused on. John thirteen thirty five. this is how the whole world would know you're my disciples if we have one love one to another. Simple as Good points. And Chris, I mean, I hear what you're saying, right? But it's like, what can I do? So here, here I am going back, back to it. It's like historically, great. A bunch of dead Catholic church fathers that I disagree with anyway also say, what, more stuff I disagree with? Like, let's get to 2023. No one's going to correct history. What's done is done. Yeah, it's bad. They're bad. They suck. Like, you know. What else do you want me to say? Like, you want me to go it's, dig it's up their It's almost bones? as if there's uh, something universally fallen and ugly about the human heart. And it's a w wicked world in all meridians. 
That's the whole point. So is it, is it true that through history, through the centuries, there was a bit too much of an overcorrection on the part of Christians? Yes, for sure. But, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, their actions were justified, but at least they can be explained by the persecution that they themselves went through. Right? There's, there's... I'm just too ADD for that. Like, put someone in front of me in 2023 who has Christian theology that hates you. Give me that person. I don't care about church fathers. I now, don't Nate, can I just ask you a question, man, brother? Now, who are you referencing when you talk? Like, who are you talking about right now? Well, I said I a lot, so I was talking about my opinion. No, 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 no. I was just like, like I'm representing Christ all the time or something. No, like when you said, well, make it to 2023, like, what were you getting at by that? I was trying to track it. So to, to, this, to, to these points, 
this the, the, this necessity being browbeaten into apologizing for positions that we don't hold and for actions that we did not commit is just completely asinine. We're not getting a new topic today, are we? <laughs> well, Alma even made the point, which again, that's I don't understand that point, which is that. So if I follow my theology, if I just believe in the end times, that's anti-Semitic. That's anti. It's just like I'm like okay, like it's just such a weird like, you know. I, I that's where that's why I'm sorry I brought that question up, Nate. But that's why I'm like I don't want to be called anti-Semitic just because I follow my theology. It's a weird, it it's was, a weird it thing. That Keegan, that the goofy that that might be. Well, if you read Je- Revelations two and nine, Revelations three, talking about. Point really quickly because this is what I do. I cannot wrap my head around this idea that we we're not into being used for your end time. Who who is intending to do that? Like, I don't even understand what that means. We're going to get ashamed of the scriptures, the synagogue of Satan. I know who they are, Jews, but are not, but blasphemed, but are of the synagogue of Satan. I mean, who's he talking about? I mean, I believe I know the answer, but I mean, you go to Revelation 3 and 9. He says they'll have to bend down on their knees and kiss you on their feet. They are say they are Jews, but are not and lie, but are the synagogue of Satan. Who's he talking about? It's not all Jews. He's talking about that the Jews. Who, that's the, that's the, the very thing that I began with. The Jews who believed in. Mm, but who's he talking I mean, about? Know, like John, like, three I mean, you know, I like John 8.31. Like Jesus said to the Jews. Oh, hold on. Him, but you got two or three I, I, witnesses, I, 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 right? You know, I'm just done being interrupted. <laughs> um, I mean, John 8.31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, remain faithful to my teachings, and you are truly my disciples. How anti-Semitic. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> Anyways, all right, Chris, do you have another topic? <laughs> yeah, so do you, want to know why, do you wanted to know why I was uh, cast out of the uh, synagogue today? Who did? D-, D was wondering why I've been cast out. Yeah, I was in a room, and I just came in at the end, and they were like, yes, don't bring them up here. Don't give them a mad badge. Don't add. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, ooh, who are they talking about? Yeah, I wish there was replays. I would have loved to see that. Christopher don't give them a mod badge. And you know what? His little dog too, faithful. <laughs> now he, they didn't say that part, but they did say faithful. Don't get faithful. They told, they said why faithful, which I don't understand how anybody can sit and listen to faithful because he don't let nobody talk. You could be a whole Christian. You could been baptized. You could have been circumcised on the eighth day. You could have walked with Christ. You could have you and Jesus. He could Jesus could be standing next to you, and you say something faithful don't like. Oh my God, you're going to hell. He not gonna let you talk. He gonna throw you down. He gonna call you a Hebrew Israelite. He gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand faithful, but it was just like they. It was just I was like, what Chris say? Because I've seen well, this on many stages with uh with some of the people, and it seems like we were all. Are you not a Trinitarian, Chris? Like, did you? Are you a oneness person in disguise? Like, <laughs> 
If you're not a Trinitarian, they don't want you in their crew. So what's going on? Please, let us. I, you know, I would just recommend if you want to know, Chris is right here on stage, and have him elaborate on it. That might be the best way. Really hard to hear, right? We can't really hear you, little dear. You're really staticky. Is is that better? Yes. So since Chris is right here on stage, he can elaborate on what happened in that room earlier today. Confess your sins. I mean, I wasn't allowed. I, mean, I want to say it's like I want to say it's like seventy-five percent just you know Chris being Chris like day to day, and and maybe with like a little couple cherries on top. Like I like uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you do you want to get into it? I don't know. I'd rather talk about this than the other thing. Probably none of it's spiritually uplifting, but I mean, I don't I, know, Chris. I'm fine you with. Question? I'm fine with. Uh, I was there. I was there in the room, so I, I know what happened. But I mean, you know, we don't have to dwell on this. Um, I, I don't think, but you know, like I, that's I, just I, my I, opinion. I know, yep. Like I know, I know. Uh, Chris apparently used the term. And uh, because certain people have certain perceptions, they took it as wildly racist when it, by definition, is not. It's it's a popular term. Um, and people took it a different way, either because they did it not knowing and thinking Chris meant it that way, or because they knew it was not bad, but they saw an opportunity to use that against Chris because they had other issues with Chris, which would be really, really bad and deceptive and, you know, a bad kind of person. Um, so I don't know. I can't speak to their intent, but it seems like it's probably one of those two directions, either innocently misunderstood or deceptively twisting it for their own benefit. Um, and then apparently he was accused of calling someone a witch, which he says he didn't. But then in that same breath, they were saying how it was bad that Chris called them a witch. And then they literally accused him of doing witchcraft. So I'm like, do you not see how you did the same thing? someone who enables a narcissist so they can continue to be a narcissist. Does anybody know that term? Somebody's mother. <laughs> Anyone at all? I, I know. You repeat it. You repeat it, Chris. None of us want to repeat it. So you repeat it. It's called the flying the monkey. Oh. oh, I'm fine repeating Yeah, it's from uh, Wizard of Oz, the witch and the flying monkeys. Thank you. So the context is, like, if no one's seen The Wizard of Oz, because it's ancient. It, yeah, it, it's like the, the witch, right? And, like, she has all of her little minions doing her bidding. So he says that whenever someone's, like, a, a like an, he would say narcissist. Like, whenever someone, like, gets all their little minions to do their bidding and they say something and they get groupthink. So it's like all these.
from Wizard of Oz, like, buzzing around their master, like, doing their minion bidding. Oh, hold on. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. This is, okay. Yeah. This is and, uh, and what was this a room full of? What, what was this a room full of, Chris? Listen, there, listen. There, there was a, there was a time when uh, never mind. We don't have to go there, <laughs> but it's okay. It's all right. So maybe maybe oh, not the the best choice of words when there are a lot of black people in the room. But but I do know right. that uh, it was a bad choice of words. I, do, I didn't even think about it. I got something it even more funnier. I got something even more funnier. Why now, is it a bad choice of words when there's black people around? It applies to all human beings. No, no, no. I I get that. I get that. But it's. I'm just telling you from monkey and the, 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 I, again, I don't think you're a white supremacist, Chris. And I think that is probably hilarious because I know who you're talking about. I'm going to just We're say, gonna you're on a tombstone. I know who you're no, talking about. And her, and her Somebody called, oh, I'm not going to say what they, they called them, but it, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And I know the circumstances because she talks and they all just go, and it's just, they just cater to her, or whatever she say is the the she like just like they died. She died on the cross for their sins. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so what, what you're saying is that they were chimping out. They, no, Holy I'm crap! Not, no, we're I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say. Prashant, I'm not no. gonna call black people monkeys on a stage full of white people and people who are not black. So I won't do that. But what I, I get what you're saying, Chris. I understand your concept. It probably just you would have been better off saying her and her minions just because the word monkey you know or you could have said like the wizard of oz you're like the green witch on the Correct. wizard of oz and these are all your you know i don't know he did and then he got accused of being witch, witchcraft or something <laughs> well, <laughs> right, well no I, you know, I never called her a witch what i said was what i said was she was a narcissist and she took that as because then she was like oh she's relating it back to the wizard of oz and then she took the next step thinking I was calling her a witch of some kind. And I wasn't. I just said, you're a narcissist. Um, you know, I don't think she practices witchcraft for whatever it's worth. But, you know, I mean, that is the whole story. And Nate, when Nate was relaying, there's one of two options. Either Chris was meaning it really bad or Chris was using a regular term that he uses all the time, which I do because there's another gentleman on the app whom I consider a narcissist who I talk about his flying monkeys. Um and, uh, you know, and, and I've actually made up with a couple of those people and I've apologized for, you know, in, you know, saying that they were enabling a narcissist because they just didn't know. And so, Why did you apologize you know, for that? Anyway, I wouldn't so, apologize for that because they do that. They do. She, she's, it wasn't a matter of, uh, no, it was, a, it was a matter of reconciliation. No, but no, right, you don't right, yeah. reconcile so, for something that is right. Well, no, but I, I was mad at Prashant. Chris is trying to uh, Chris is trying to turn over a gentler side of, of uh, a new leaf. <laughs> yes. So so I was mad at Prashant uh, for a half minute because uh, I thought that, that he was in with Silver Star and all this other stuff, and I just you know I have a thing with Silver Star, and and he and I have reconciled, and we are we are friends now, and and I I really value Prashant, and I think he's a great guy, but the but the, at the end of the day, like. What Nate said when he was saying there's one of two ways Chris could have meant this. One is wildly inappropriate. The other being someone knows what he meant and then they are attempting to weaponize it because of other reasons they don't like Chris. It is 100% the second one. 
It is 100% attempting to take something that is pretty much a nothing burger and turn it into this whole thing to accuse me of things that everyone knows is wrong. And for the record, I, I think I like that term, and I think I'm going to adopt it and start using it. <laughs> yeah, and and, you um, know, and, and when uh, I, because, of course, I'd heard it being said of me, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't know, what do you mean, fly? Why, how am I, why am I a flying monkey? Uh, so now it makes a whole lot more sense. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a Wizard of Oz. Uh, reference. Uh, right, so it's actually a clinical you know, term. The they actually use it in psychology. There's whole papers written about this this idea of flying monkeys. It's not like this is not something I made up or I'm making an or I'm alluding to the Wizard of Oz. This is something that is talked about clinically because a hmm. few years ago I was in the orbit of a narcissist and I was a flying monkey until I realized it and I got out of that orbit of that narcissist and was able to heal from that. And so I got to know the clinical terms well because I was working through that stuff. And so it's for some of you, right? Not... Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're trying yeah. to direct the flying monkeys to see if Bill has anything to say or if he's been ruined at this point. Bill, did you have a question or anything to say? If you're speaking, Bill, we don't hear you. Uh, let us know if you I don't see Bill are able stairs. to speak. But we... Does someone not see him? Is he not there? Anyway. Not there. Anyway, so does that make sense, you guys? That's kind of what happened today, D. That is the that is the root of it. Is that somebody is very mad that uh, I do not agree with them theologically or philosophically, and so they attempted to use this as an opportunity to say really mean and untrue things. Was that uniquely? <laughs> what? No, it was Sister Cherry. No, I was asking uniquely if he had anything to say. Oh, oh no, I'm doing this one. I'm sorry, I was in that room. And, uh, yeah, the term, I mean, it wasn't said that way that you said it, Chris. It was It was basically said that you, you call somebody a monkey. But, uh, you know, I know what you mean about the whole narcissistic thing and... Uh, trust me, I, I survived narcissistic abuse, and it is a, a psychological term used for um, minions, you know, people who do the narc's dirty work, people who um, are naive and gullible and, and, you know, they like like exactly like you described it, and that's where they get the term from, the Wizard of Oz. And... Um, but yeah, I, I didn't agree with a lot of things that were said because Chris, honestly, we we never really spoke. But I've heard you in rooms, and I'm I'm actually cool with you. You know, I don't have a problem with you, and I like how you you uh go up against some of these doc false doctrines. You know, so yeah. Uh, until you disagree with him on Calvinism. Then, then, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it can be mean. No, I mean, like, look, I, you know, should I be better? Should I be more gentle? We've talked about this. You know, yes, absolutely. And, and I should be more persuasive in my speech and think about who my audience is, just like when the scripture's being written. Who is the, who is the author? Who is the audience? You know, how does that impact everything? Same thing for me. Should I take into account whom I'm talking to? Like D said, probably wasn't the best term to use. 
in a, in a room full of African-American folks, which I didn't even think about that when I was, when I said that in the chat, by the way, one time, and then followed it up with a post um, from a website describing clinically what I meant. And then this has been attempted to be used. I'm serious. Yeah, it's been attempted to be used as a, as a cudgel. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, like, look, I, you know, I take everything under advisement. And, you know, uh, I understand that people are upset with some of the ways that I say some things um, sometimes. And even some of the things that I say are you know, teach. And that's fine. And we can have civil discussions and civil disagreements. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, to have a four hour room without the person being talked about being allowed to tell their side of the story. I mean, that's, I'm not real, not real sure that was the best way to handle that. I mean, you got to remember, too, Albie got some backlash the way he spoke, you know. I, I mean, I agree with D. Some You got to use discretion sometimes, you know, according to your audience. Because uh, you could be in in, in an all-Hispanic room, too, and call somebody a spick, you know what I mean? Or or something that has been used against us derog as a derogatory way, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's best we use some discernment when we're, you know, based on uh, the, the kind of audience we, we have, you know? Because if not, you see what happens. Well, I mean, and here's the thing, right? It's if, if you're unaware, if you're ignorant as to what kind of effect those words are going to have on the other person, on the audience, that's a different matter. But knowing what kind of effect this and doing it in any case, that's that that's the problem, right? That's when you're you're being mean spirited, and then that's that's you know you're you're we're not in the reviling business, right? You know the the yeah. Jesus Christ totally. never, you know this. That wasn't it, my intention, right? The person, I mean, like. I, did, I use that term all the time, and it wasn't my intention at that moment until I said it, and then everybody jumped on me, and I was like, what? And then I was, oh. And then it, it dawned on me, like, what had happened, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Well, here's the thing. It depends on, so if, the, if, if, the, if, if, if it was a situation of weaponization, the way that you described it, then, you know, I would welcome that. For the last two and a half years on this app, I've been called, a, I'm, I'm a brown, white supremacist somehow. I'm a brown white supremacist, a Jew hater, a misogynist, uh, the, 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 the daughter of the CEO of Al Jazeera in a public room with more than 300 people said that I was a rape tourist. In my first account, 3,000 followers, 10 clubs, 30,000 or so like members of, of across those clubs got permanent for reading the Gospel of John. Like this is... It, I welcome. I I don't want to be spoken well of by the people who are of the, who are who are of the, who are of their father the devil. Why would I want their love or their 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 approval? I want to be hated. Yeah, I, think of that, I think of that part in the Bible where I don't remember where, but it's like was it Peter or Paul or someone was I think it was Peter or someone was saying like you know if, if people are going to hate you 
like make sure it's for doing God's work, right? And like if, if they're going to hate you, uh, you know, don't incur it on yourself. Like, you know, if you get thrown in jail for stealing, that's not you being persecuted. That's getting justice because you did something bad, right? So it's like, well, look, I'm not going to do anything to egg someone on. I'm not going to try to antagonize people. But if I am uncompromising and, you know, share my convictions and share what the Bible says and stand on that ground and people hate me for that and want to slander me and defame me and call my call me all kinds of names, well, fine, then so be it. If you want to lie and persecute me when you know darn well that you're saying I'm doing something I am not doing, then, you know, I'm good with that. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, when people call, say things about me, like all the ists and isms they can think of, I'm like, cool story, bro. I, all right, I guess I'm just going to keep what I'm doing. And I don't know. There's no offense to be had, right? It's like if I was those things, then maybe I'd feel convicted and be like, oh, wow, I really guess I shouldn't be that type of person. Uh, but if I know I'm not that type of person and I'm being called that because I read a verse in the Bible and stand by it, then, yeah, call me that name all you want. Like it has no power. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and here's the other bit is that, you know, I talked to a few people who were in the room um, you know, at, at that moment while, and they were just kind of giving me a, a lowdown on it. And I was talking on stick, uh, uh, discord with stuff, you know, and, and she was upset and, you know, uh, whatever anyway, but no one who supposedly has a problem with me, like came to me at all, like zero people came to me and were like, Hey, we have this problem. I got this problem, you know? Um, there was a private room with uh, Cherry and Monet and Uniquely and Yeshua, and we hashed a few things out. And it ba- barely, it just basically consisted of Cherry screaming at me for 30 minutes nonstop, you know, just ranting and raving. And I just turned my audio off and, you know, just kind of glanced at the screen to see when she was done and then, you know, resumed um, because I'm not going to listen to her. Um you know, and so that was a that was a private room, and in that private room, it was said, "Hey, we're just not going to talk about this publicly. Like it's over with. Um, you know, Cherry doesn't want anything to do with you. You don't want anything to do with Cherry. That's fine." And I honored that, and I didn't say anything, even when people were goading me. And so, if somebody's got a problem with me, or I've said something and I've made you feel bad, um, please let me know, and we will talk about it. I am not. I think everyone here would say I'm not like this evil ogre who's going to be like, "No, I'm going to shut you down." Man, bro, bro. First, I just want to say I was not in that private meeting. I want my name cleared. What? No, not. Oh, did I say unique? I, I tactical, not uniquely. I'm so sorry. I was looking at your name. You were not in that private meeting. You're so sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, no, tactical Yeshua, Monet, and and Cherry. So sorry. I apologize uniquely that I, I misspoke. See how easy that was. Yep, just like that. Hi, what's up, Edward? Hey, Nate. How are you? Not too bad. I'm just at work right now, so I can't talk too much. But um, yeah. So, have you made the uh, uh, the journey to uh, fan base? That's where the uh, Exodus has gone. People have uh, gone to the promised land of fan base. Have you? uh, a lot of the changes. I have made the journey, and I've made the journey back again. I, I don't think <laughs> fan base is going to be for me. Okay. Yeah, I like Clubhouse. I mean, I just, I just kind of go on where the 
the crowd goes <laughs> or people I like to listen to. So, but anyway, I, I might chime in a little bit more. I'm at work right now, so I can't talk too much. I just wanted to uh, uh, say hi and uh, yeah. The series. Do, do we uh, pronounce Chris absolved of his sins? Does, does the council agree? I absolve you. <laughs> I think D thought it was really funny. If you're the Pope, help me understand. Is it, does he? Okay. So he absolves. He, he just what he looks in the mirror and he's like, you know, ego te absolve. I absolve you. He just like, says it to himself. He absolves himself of his sins. Is that what happens? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like I'm like I, I could be wrong about this. And is that like a vampire couldn't absolve himself because they have no reflection? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, <clears throat> anyway, let's not even go there. You're 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 gonna you're gonna you're gonna bring the Calvi out. You're gonna start. You're gonna start another flame war, Nate. No more flame wars. Oh wait, did I just disrespect the LGBTQIA plus by using the word flame? You know, I've, I've given peace, it up. Peace I be upon them. To, uh, uh, yeah, I used to try to think I was I was going to, like, beat them at their own game and, like, you know, say the lingo better than them. So I'm just like, LGBTQIA plus umbrella and community. Like, see, there's a Christian that knows your game. But recently I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just go for a more direct approach and just be like, the LGBTPS community. And then every now and then yeah. someone will be Pedophile, like, pedophilism. Yeah. Correct. Wait, what yeah. is it? Uh, pedophilia and Satanism. Oh. Which is what has always been about. So, so, I mean, so, so just for the record, though, I'm not a warlock, so we can. I think we can put that one to bed, right? Can we at least put that one to bed? Dude, we were talking about man witches last night, and and like the the 1970s, like Sloppy Joe, like mix. Like, I showed my son the actual commercial from the 70s with, like, yeah, Dad, we're lumberjacks or whatever it was, you know? And, like, the grandpa's like, yeah, we made man-witches. And he didn't want a man-witch. So, I don't know. So, the things on your tombstone, definitely not a white supremacist, um, not a warlock, maybe a man-witch. That's fair. Just read that he, he was the Wizard of Oz. Okay, I, Chris, a question for Chris. This has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Oh, okay. I, I, had the, um, I had the Inquisition this morning, and it was oh. like four hours of people that hate me. Okay, this had nothing, it has nothing to do with that, Chris. If that's okay, I wasn't going to. Oh, that okay? that's good. That's something. That's, yeah, it has nothing to do better with than that. the Inquisition. <laughs> No, it's it's something that I'm just curious your thoughts. When when Jesus spoke in his ministry, do you there's what I've been reading is that the scholars are kind of divided on whether he spoke like Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. Do you think he had any thoughts on do you think he spoke only Hebrew, only Aramaic, a combination of the three? Any thoughts on anyone else could chime in too? I was just curious what your thoughts are. I'm not really sure. So I just I know you're well read on these things, but I just thought I'd that's for your opinion. Um, 
I mean, I'm pretty sure he spoke Aramaic. I think that everyone in that region <laughs> spoke Aramaic. Um, so, I mean, he may know, he may have known some Greek and, you know, they would read Hebrew, but I'm, you know, for in the temple, but like, as far as I know, I would, I would imagine that Jesus was speaking in Aramaic because that was the language of the people. Okay. Thank you. Well, we've calmed down a lot, maybe too much. Oh, well. Hey, who moved my cheese? Who what? <laughs> no, it's just like Lee makes a really good point in her PTR that I think that a lot of the clubhouse drama has been, you know, like with the rooms and all that stuff. Yes, it is more difficult to find live rooms in the hallway, that's for sure. But it's, I mean, that's basically the major change in taking away the back channel. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as major as everybody thinks. Like, we're here and there's a bunch of people here, you know, so. But new makes people aren't coming in. So, like, if we, if new people can't find us, I mean, we just have this, like, how we always have the same discussions anyway, without new people, it's the exact same discussions. So, like. As annoying as it is to have answer questions about the Trinity a thousand times, like now we don't even get those questions because it's only like the Christians and like the members of the house that ever find us. So it's like even more of an echo chamber than it already is. Which is great if you want to, I don't know, have like a Bible study where everyone like covers issues and then like moves on together. But if you rely on, you know, godless atheist demons, Shout out to, uh, you know, keep the conversation fresh and new and ask different questions. Um, it's kind of tough. It's fair. Yeah, so I, I think the way that they um, have shifted it is that you have to actually be connected with people and be in clubs. And I did notice that um, they, in the latest update, unless you have iOS 17, um, they made it so you can just start live rooms um, outside of a club, but then your your audience is very limited and you can't do replays. But people have to start, quote unquote, friending each other and joining clubs. So if you have uh, people that you're connected with, the way, I think the way that they have it is to get new people. Those people would have their friends seeing that they're in rooms. They would come in through that way. So instead of like kind of the free form our free flow way it was before they want um more connections with people is the way it, it looks to me at this point yeah but so I, it's still... I hate that because it's, it's like yeah. yeah why can't you just go to search and type in like religion and just like freely see all the rooms with that tag and join yeah it's like you have to like pyramid scheme your way to conversation. That's, that's like, a good way of putting let it. Let me follow you, and then three people follow you, and then three people follow you, and now we can all get to rooms. Yeah, I, I think the pyramid scheme is a good way to describe it, and I think that's that is what the um, the guy. I think his name is Paul, who's one of the um, co-creators of this. When I heard him speak, that's what he envisions and the way that he sees this uh, working, because he wants people to build relationships with each other. I'll keep my opinions about that to myself, but uh, that's the way it looks like they're trying to have this go forward. So everything you used to be able to do, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, critical eye may see that as people don't want their views challenged and get their feelings hurt, so they want, have to be around people just like them. Yeah, I think that's why it's not going so well, right? Um, I, as far as I can tell, like most of the stuff you used to be able to do, you can still do, it, it, with the exception of the texting in the back channel, uh, which was a terrible decision that they made to get rid of that, and hopefully they'll rethink that. But most of this, most of it, you can still do. They just change the way you have to do it. Uh, so I, I think it's just finding the new way of doing things that you want to do, and then you can. Um, still figure that out but uh, I think because they put that microphone first in front and center where you're sending a voice chat instead of actually doing a live room it's a little difficult to figure out where you go to actually create the live room yep on that note I gotta go I just picked up my son <laughs>